All right, we're live and rolling. This is the Run Fast Podcast, episode number three. And we're here for our World Championships, Oregon 22, debrief, recap, breakdown, whatever you may want to call it. Um, we have two expert analysts of the track and field here with us. We have Axel Ryan and Z, Hotchkiss class of 24, and we have Kenny Thitharafant Duvat, NMH class of 25, here on the pod live with us. Um, thank you two for taking the time. Let's get right into it. We'll get it rolling with the women's 100 meters. Just to kind of give a synopsis of the results, Miles, could you hit us with those? So yeah, Jamaica had the sweep with Shelly Ann Fraser-Price leading off, uh, finished in 10.67, and Sharika Jackson finished second in 10.73, and then Elaine Thompson-Hara finished in 10.81 and third. So Axel, can you talk to me a bit? Do you have any, Did you have any expeditions going into this specific race? Any ideas of what was going to happen? Watching this, it's kind of, I watched um, the Prefontaine Classic, and then um, looking at the, um, the World Olympics that just happened, I was kind of expecting like Jamaicans to be up top, of course. But um, for me, being from the Ivory Coast, I was also looking at um, Talu, who is seventh. She was fourth in the Olympics. So oh, that's yeah. kind of unfortunate that she kind of dropped all the way to seventh. I mean, I'm I'm just happy that we got somebody from the Ivory Coast in the final. Yeah, there and of go. course, she's like getting she's like out of her prime right now and on the decline. So it's like kind of whatever you get, kind of just have to be satisfied with it. But I think Elaine Thompson Hurrah's um, performance was really surprising. I thought she was probably going to get at least second worst case scenario. But she, I re- if I remember correctly, she faded towards like yeah, yeah. the last f- like the last 20 meters. Yeah. And Kenny, did you have like kind of a, a clear favorite coming to this? Obviously, the Jamaicans were going to stack the field, maybe some of the U.S., maybe maybe the Ivory Coast, too. Um, but Kenny, did you have like a clear favorite going into this? I mean, for me, this time I expected Jamaicans to sweep as well. The heavy favorite was probably Shelly and Fraser Price, and then like Elaine Thompson Hera. And I mean, this kind of goes to either of you guys. Do you think, because there's this ongoing debate, obviously, about Shelly Ann being the, the quote unquote goat, does this solidify her place as the greatest women's sprinter of all time? Or maybe Flojo's still in there? I'm curious to see what his Flojo's record could. I'm going to search this up on Google really quick. But, like, for me, my, like, I feel like she got the top spot. I never seen Flojo run one, like, during her prime. But but yeah. I think that's just, like, the matter of, like, what generation you in, I feel like. She ran a 10.49? Yeah, which is <laughs> ridiculous. Oh. Damn. Oh, nah, nah, nah. That, that's a solid second spot that, <laughs> that she, and yeah, she lay for the first run a 10.67. Yeah, no. We're going to run that take back then. <laughs> That ten four nine, Kenny. Do you think anyone in this field could possibly be the one to break that world record? I mean, probably like not yet. I mean, maybe in a few years, but I'm not too sure about that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, technology is getting better, but like ten forty nine is like way ahead of this. Moving on to the women's two hundred, Miles, can you hit us with those results? Yeah. So Flojo uh, obviously has the two hundred meter world record, but then Sharika Jackson finished in. 2145, which was the second fastest time ever, uh, second to Flojo. Shelly Ann Fraser Price came in at nearly half a second later at 218081. And then Dina Asher Smith of Great Britain came in at 2202. Yeah, so to either of you guys, any opening thoughts about this 200? Because obviously, this is one of the most hyped up events of the whole world championships of those 10 days. And obviously, we saw Sharika Jackson throw on the second fastest time ever. We saw season best from Shelly Ann Fraser Price. Dean Asher Smith gets on the podium for her like individual medal, which she hasn't had. But yeah, any and kind of any thoughts just to kind of start off the discussion? Past the Jamaican one two, I think Dean Ash, um Asher Smith that was pretty good performance for her. I think the two hundred is her main event, right? So yeah, her 
like getting right out of the podium in the 100 and then getting a medal in the 200 is pretty good for her. Abby Steiner, that was a very, like, even though she didn't get a medal, that's still a pretty good co performance considering that she's did it not only ran like probably like three times as many races as most of the pros in this competition, but yeah, she also is running rounds. And Sharika Jackson getting that gold medal, I think. In the 200 and certifying the double, that was really good. But I thought first, a solid second through the rounds, I thought Shelly and Fraser Price was going to take it just because she was looking extremely good. Yeah, yeah, she was out like she was out crazy fast at the out of the blocks first probably 100 meters. What's crazy about it is I, I was listening to this on TV as well. They were the commentators were saying how Shrika Jackson's always been kind of in the back, in the back, in like in the shadows or in the background of her teammates and Thompson Hera and Shelly Ann. But now like she's kind of in the limelight now that she's run the second fastest time ever. And what's also cool to know is that going back to how Abby Steiner is like, she's literally at the University of Kentucky. Like, she's not a pro at all. Kenny, do you think that kind of figures into how she performed in this final, having like six, almost 60 races under her belt this season? I mean, she's been like running really good times all season. But like, I mean, she's running like 60 races. So like, it's definitely going to like affect her during the finals as well. Moving on now to the women's 400 meters. Quick results update on that, Miles. Shawnee Miller-Rivo from the Bahamas ran a 49.11, and then Marlidi Paulino from the Dominican Republic ran a 49.60. Uh, Shada Williams, I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce her name, from the bar from Barbados uh, ran 49.75 and was the first world medalist ever f from Barbados. I mean, obviously here we have so we have a world lead from Miller-Rivo. We have a national record from Seda Williams of what is that Barbados? Yeah, and. So I'd say a pretty fast race, all things considered, with the heat and everything. I don't think it's a hot take, but I feel like definitely some people should really be aware of this. I'm taking uh, Miller Evo's world lead is with a teeny bit grain of salt just because of Sydney McLaughlin's um, 400 <laughs> split in the 4x4 oh is yeah, a 47.6. And she only runs the hurdles. So theoretically, if you just put her in, I don't know, I always think it was just like a what if she just switches to the flat four. Because yeah. I think that, and the world record is 47.6. She's only 0.3 seconds off. I feel like solid month, and I think that's gone. Sydney McGoffkin's time was like 50.68, and that would like place her in the finals of the 400 that's just crazy yeah she would have gotten what sixth seventh in this race at 50.6 and that's that, yeah it's going over hurdles which is just crazy yeah. to think about which kind of provides a good segue to the 400 meter hurdles i'd say i argue the probably the greatest race the entire 10 day stretch and maybe of all maybe one of the greatest racers ever ever witnessed to humankind the women's 400 meter hurdles miles so yeah obviously we were just talking about sydney mclaughlin she came in world record phase at 50 60 50.68 beating her absolutely shattering her previous world record at 51.41. Femke Bull of the Netherlands came in second at 52.27. And then Dalila Mohammed 53th in 0.13. But the story is all on Sydney McLaughlin. You know, she said she broke the world record four times in the span of roughly a year. A lot to talk about here, a lot to dive into. For me, Sydney McLaughlin was like the heavy favorite. And then like Femke Bull was either going to be second or third, like following like the Olympic finals last year. Actually, today I was like watching a YouTube video from um twenty sixteen Olympic trials, <laughs> and where Sydney McLaughlin like was like I think sixteen, and she made it onto the Olympic team. Wow! And Dalila Muhammad won that trial by a good margin, and it was like around Femke Bull's time. So it's kind of crazy how back then like a fifty two something will easily destroy the competition, and now yeah. you're gonna get easily smoked this year <laughs> because. 
Sydney McLaughlin is just getting better. Yeah, Paris twenty twenty four probably will be the year it'll it'll we'll see forty nine. Honestly, you guys know that Falco Bull was ranked number one going into this race. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, that doesn't even sound right. I mean, like, it's not that <laughs> she's bad or anything, but did she have the world lead? I don't think so because obviously, um, Sydney McLaughlin set the world record at trials and she and she ran like 51 low in her season opener at Penn relays i think too so yeah the 800 was a really cool race with uh a thing mo uh she came in first just barely by eight hundredths of a second um at 56 156.3 and then keely hodgkinson uh of great britain came in at 156.38 and then and third, Mary Mara of Kenya came in at 156.71. Top three were, you know, right there with one another, and it was um, a really fun race to watch considering the final 100. Keely Hodgkinson tried to, you know, make her move on the inside, and then I think Mo kind of kind of boxed her out, and, you know. And this kind of goes to either of you guys. Do you think this race was kind of more speed-based or more tactics-based, and especially kind of in the last uh, lap or so? Honestly, I think it was probably more of a speed race than anything. Like, for a solid second, a thing most scared me at the last 100 on the last turn because I feel like one of the worst things you could do in, like, the 800 and up is give up the inside lane. And once, like, I saw um Kaylee Hutchinson come from the inside, I was like, oh, wait a minute. And then she just barely edges her out. And I think, like... I think Mo was probably the most challenged during that race by far. Besides the semifinals, one of the few races where she doesn't go she wasn't out in the front immediately completely dictating the pace. Then she actually had to like settle for second and then take the lead. And even that, that lead wasn't so secured. And Kenny, this kind of goes to you. Um, a big storyline, especially for like the American team going into this, was that Raven Rogers and Audrey Wilson were going to be like the big three with the thing Mo. And do you think those two, and especially the like Jamaica and East Africa, like with Ethiopian Kenya, they, do you think they kind of lived up to what their expectations were going to be for the race? I mean, firstly, like the, the Africans and the Jamaicans are like always crazy fast, like during yeah. all the races. I mean, the U.S. had like a lot of potential going into like this race as well. But like, I think Mo is just like on another like level right now. I mean, she won like the Olympic medal last year. I mean, she's like in crazy form going into the race. And yeah, just expected her to win. So women's 4x400, this was kind of another one of those big events, especially that we had um, a huge, a lot of talented fields with the Jamaicans, the Canadians. We had the, the American women who had McLaughlin really hyped up uh, race. What were the results? The first leg started off with Talitha Diggs, oh. uh, starting off with a strong five or 50.5, and then handed the baton off uh, to Abby Steiner once again in another event. <laughs> Steiner ran a strong leg um, to immediately take it out and uh, to build their lead in uh, 49.99. Uh, Wilson came out and ran another strong leg, expanded their lead 49 to in a 49.39, and then came McLaughlin with... 47.91. So Axel, do we really have, did we have any expectations for this race or any, we, I just assume the clear favorite was probably the US, but was there anything else kind of running through your head when you were watching the race? I think honestly, um, and I was listening to some other podcasts that were talking about this like a few days after Worlds, but I think the more like drama or like interesting part of it was who was going to be in that final group. Because also Allison Felix ran the prelims oh, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. 400, for the 400 meters so people were thinking and she didn't do bad like she actually like put down like i think like a 51 or high 50 high mm -hmm. something like that and people were thinking like oh they're gonna put her in the final and also 
a thing, Mo, which I think was a little bit unrealistic. Try thinking like, oh, she did it in the Olympics, so she they're gonna put her in Worlds, but like the timing of that wasn't gonna work. But I was more interested to see if Allison Felix was gonna run in or not. Yeah. And I think, and people were discuss, and I saw people discussing this too. But I think Allison Felix also gets a medal because of this, just because she was, um, she ran the prelims. So that's kind of brings some interesting perspective to it it's crazy to note how talitha diggs abby steiner and Britton wilson are all in college so out of the four americans three of them are running at the ncaa level so kind of speaks to how stacked the ncaa is becoming nowadays like whereas like where collegians are expected to perform through their national teams on a pretty regular basis kenny can you kind of speak to how like the ncaa level has has really risen to like the pro ranks and how athletes can kind of compare to the pros now not only just like in sprinting events, but like long distance events, like uh, NCAA like athletes going into like uh, the pro events and like racing like really well as well. I mean, the standard is just up there right now in terms of like the times and the performance. Um, another thing I to know. note about like the 400, 4x400 team is Sydney McLaughlin's the veteran on this team and she's 23. And when your veteran is 23 years old and that team is just has so much depth especially you know considering team usa and how many strong 400 runners there are i can see this team usa you know claiming gold in many years to come in the four by four women and moving on with the women's relays uh to the four by one the usa just pulled it off against jamaica um in four hundredths of a second us finished in 41.14 and then jamaica in like a very very close second in a 41.18 yeah melissa jefferson uh, started the the lap off with an 11.35, and then Abby Steiner ran a strong, strong 9.86. And then Jana Prandini uh, ran the, a really strong bend at 10.05, and then T.T. Terry finishes it off at 9.88, which was a really explosive finish. And then for Jamaica, Kemba Nelson, she ran a, a 11.45. Elaine thompson Ara ran a 10.10, and then Shelly Ann Fraser-Price ran a 9.97 third leg and then Sharika Jackson finished in a 9.66 which is for you guys any thoughts on like that huge upset because obviously Jamaica had did they swept the four the 100 meter yeah the 100 they, had their, podium, they so. had their whole big three running so with the Jamaican big three running the relay and the U.S. pulling the upset what's what's going on here honestly I think this brings more fuel to the fire of the like USA Jamaica rivalry mm -hmm. I think wow. now especially with like the end of the Usain Bolt era. Now this like kind of like he is transferring over to the woman's side of sprinting a little bit. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to see that perspective, that perspective as well. Yeah, and I think this race kind of speaks to how track isn't a totally individual sport. It's a four people, one baton. You got to get it across the line somehow. So teamwork also plays a little bit of, of a part into how the race folds out. And obviously this can be seen with like in the past, like the, the U.S. men, their 4 by one was just awful because they could just couldn't pass the baton, DQs, getting out of the out of the passing zones, all sorts of problems that they were plagued with for a couple of years. Okay, so moving on to the men's side, we have start off our men's 100 meters miles, if you want to start us off with those results. So yeah, we were just talking about the Jamaican-American rivalry in terms of sprinting um, and how that's been a real, real fun to watch on the women's side and how... On the men's side, in the 100, the U.S. swept the podium with Fred Curley in 9.86, Marvin Bracey at, in 9.88, and then Trayvon Burmell in 9.88 as well. The 21-year-old Jamaican. Yeah, and so this kid's, you know, the first 
first Jamaican sprinter that's notable since Bolt, Blake. So do you guys see these this rivalry coming back to the men's side anytime soon? For me right now, I don't think Jamaica is coming like any like near US like for both the 100 and the 2. I mean, they only have like one guy in the 100 finals and like I don't think they have anyone in the 200 finals. So like the US is like way clear right now. Mm-hmm. for the men's yeah i think i'll have to agree with that and also i'm just curious to see how these people will hold up in the next few years our top three americans yeah. and even like christian coleman because even if he gets better like after the year like how long are is their prime really gonna last mm-hmm. so exactly. that's really the interesting part about it but yeah usa stacking the field in the 100 we got four out of the eight lanes top three usa sweep pretty Pretty crazy to think about, especially on U.S. soil, which is one of the bigger storylines coming into this race. And so moving on to the 200 miles, yeah. what went on there? Speaking of, you know, incredible American sprinting, men in the 200 was, you know, this had a lot of hype going into it with Noah Lyles and Arian Knight and Noah Lyles setting the American record at 19.31. And then Kenny Bednarek, you know, kind of snuck up on Arian Knighton and stole that silver medal in 19.77. And then Arian Knighton finished in 19.8. Fon Valet, the, the Florida sprinter out of college, finished in fourth at 19.84. Any takes here, guys? Yeah, honestly, I'm just curious to see, like, how good Arian Knighton will become in, like, the next few years. Because... I feel like the media has been like shoving all his stats down like everybody's throat about like yeah, yeah. all like oh like at his age he was faster than Usain Bolt so therefore he's gonna be faster than Usain Bolt. It's just gonna be interesting to see is he gonna really prove that or what? But I exactly. think Noah Lyles com- basically kind of a revenge tour in a sense because like very mediocre performance. I think honestly it was a revenge tour for a lot of like the men sprinting for the u.s because a lot of our best sprinters just did not come up step up to the plate so especially for noah lyles not only winning it but gaining the world lead and you could like see throughout the rounds how like it's almost like a new version of him yeah he came out there he just had all that swag he was you know hitting hitting a little layup your little euro step after his trial race which was pretty sick to see he did he pulled the carson warham just rip his jersey off that was pretty crazy. You I, see I, that photo of him and Knighton finishing like side by side and he's like pointing at him as he's finishing? Oh my god, that was a classic. I remember watching that with my dad and like we were just like arguing it, going at it for like, <laughs> all the 10 minutes. For this race, it was either like Laos or like Knighton in like at first since like Knighton ran like 1949 like a while back mm-hmm. so like at first I thought it was like either both of them but like I mean Kenny Benderick like came up for like second if I'm not wrong there's going to be like a rematch in like a few days at like Monaco Diamond League yeah and you I know. think Michael Norman is also set to be in that 200 as well holy crap so that'll be very exciting uh, Kenny did you have a, a clear favorite going in this because obviously you're talking about Lyles and Knighton just going back and forth what was who was your favorite I mean, I kind of wanted Knighton to win it, but like Noah Lyles just like ran much faster. Yeah, exactly. It was wasn't it an American record too? So he went faster than Michael Johnson. Jokingly, I said, "Oh, I have Fonbolay winning this. Like he's gonna. This is his race. He's gonna get it." It was close because Fonbolay, especially at the inter- at Florida, he's known to close quote unquote close like a house on fire. He's definitely not one to get out of the blocks fast. But if you've watched any of Joseph Fonbolay's races, you would know that he closes like a train. He he has no mercy on the back on that backstretch. I'm actually super surprised and really excited for to see what Fonbolay has to has left to do. But yeah, we want to move on to the men's 400. We can just kind of go over that in retrospect. 
there was a clear favorite, and I'd say Michael Norman was the favorite. Just Wade Van Niekerk, though, I'm pretty sure he's the world record holder also yep. in it. Yeah. But yeah, a pretty pretty interesting field. Anything anything talking about here, guys? It was just like interesting to see Wade Van Niekerk um during the rounds, and I think it was like during world chance where i realized that his whole like when he messed up his knee that was from like a rugby charity match <laughs> which is kind of like what are you doing i don't know why would his manager let him do that but i feel like rugby's not the sport to play like for fun yeah i i, I don't know why but I mean, clearly that still is probably affecting him to some extent. Honestly, I hope Michael Norman breaks the world record, but like seeing Cliff on 2016, especially out of lane eight, pretty Ooh. tough time to beat. So kind of, it was a pretty, a pretty fast heat. I'd say we had five guys under 45 seconds. Michael Norman also kind of a revenge tour for him. He did not have, from what I remember, he, did he have a solid performance at Tokyo? No. I don't, I don't know. Nah. So yeah, Karani James also he's he's kind of on on his way out of the pro scene. So good for him to get in there and get on the podium for his world championships. That's I think it's a great way way for him to finish at Oregon. I think what we want to move to now is the 100 hurdles. That is a, a hot, hot subject of, of discussion all around the track and field world. We have Devin Allen with um, a little bit of official and referee issues. Do you guys have an opinion on that? I mean, like the reaction time thing, like predicting the gun, but like, I mean, if you have like a fast reaction time, then I mean, like even before like in the heats, like he was like having like a crazy fast like reaction time. So like, I mean, like, Looking at that, like you could probably like expect his like reaction time to be faster in like the final. Yeah, especially like all that adrenaline going through you and you know running. Yeah, he was an Oregon Duck, so you know running in your home turf in front of your fans. I'm pretty sure his dad passed away like a month or two before the race, so you know he had a chip on his shoulder, something to run for, and was it a thousandth of a second? It was one one hundredth, one one thousand, something like that. It was like I think the legal standard is point oh one. And he ran 0. 0.0099, which is like what a thousandth off the the legal standard. I I feel like I saw this in a YouTube video or, or like an article somewhere, but there was research done that the human body can can roughly um, react to to something or to a gun or to a sound at 0. 0.0084. So he, theoretically, he wasn't even close to the human limit of actual reaction time. Honestly, like just reacting to it, I just think that research needs to be redone. Honestly, because yeah. it's the fact that they. I I was hoping that he ran under protest, but like the officials were being so annoying about it, and they just would not let it go. And then at that point, once he once he left, and also the Jamaican, the one of the other Jamaicans got yeah. injured during warmups, so those those two were out. So it was just like not at that point it wasn't entertaining anymore. It's just like you we all knew Grant Hollow was going to take the gold exactly reaction time point. No, oh, nine, nine. But Devin Allen, like, come on. Like, that guy genuinely, like, you couldn't even tell from, like, when you watched it on replay, even in slow-mo, everyone got up at the same time, and he just happened to do it faster. And that, I think that's just that, that's just the bottom line. But good to see Grant Holloway and Trey Cunningham go 1-2 for the U.S. Azier Martinez of Spain getting a PB in that race as well. But it just kind of sucks that Devin Allen didn't even have a chance to just go out there and see what he could do. But props to Devin Allen for the way he handled it. And for staying on the topic of hot races and crazy takes, men's 1500 meters. We have Jake Whiteman with, the, I'd, I'd say, historic upset over Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the clear favorite. But we have Jake Whiteman coming in with the world lead at 39.23. Ingebrigtsen coming in at 329.47. Mohamed Katir of Spain coming in at 329.9. And Mario Garcia, I believe he runs at Ole Miss, also a collegian, 330.2. The extremely disappointing part about this is how our American team for the 1500 absolutely sold. <laughs> like, like, look at, like, 12? Like, come on. 
And then literally our 1500 meter champion gets injured in the sem, like does terrible in the semi. I think it was like some like stress injury Cooper to your hat or something like that. Honestly, I was just genuinely sad about that. Like the best we did was 12. Considering like that was our performance, I don't even know how good we would have done if we got a healthy Cooper tier. I think it was also shocking. Kenyans knocked out of the podium. Mm, I mean, Cooper tier and Cole Hawker were like down like this whole season. So like, I mean, coming into this race, like this championship, I don't think they were like going to do that well. Plus like, I mean, this field is like really good. Like, I mean, the Kenyans and then Josh Kerr and then times were going to be like real fast. But like, I mean, in Inga Brixen was, I thought was going to win it. And like Jake Whiteman came out from like 200 to go and like just couldn't catch up. I think what's crazy is that the 1500 is always super stacked. We always have the East Africans just killing it in the front. We have the, the Brits with Whiteman and Josh Kerr always up there. Stuart McSwain was, kind of, I think that was kind of the big thing I, I took away from this race was Stuart McSwain in ninth. Like we had some guys just way ahead of him it just comes it just comes to show how stacked this field was that Jeremy McSwain was like probably I'd say he was ranked as easily inside the top five going into this race and it just comes out in ninth I mean that totally it, that kind of irked me just because of how well he's been doing this season and how he was looking going into this especially him his performance at the Prefontaine Classic and then just coming out to this race and just doing ninth at, in 333 season best gotta give it to him there but couldn't run the PB that he needed to probably get the the win or probably get on the podium maybe even top five but just, I think, a little disappointing from Stuart McSwain. Moving on to the men's 3,000 steeplechase. In first um, was the Olympic gold medalist, Sufan Elvakali, an 825-13. In second place from Ethiopia was Lamecha Gurma in 826-01. In third place from Kenya, Consensus Kipruto in 827-92. I'm not sure if you guys are big fans of the steeple or follow the steeple much, but Elvakali's been killing it for Morocco. Just race after race after race, just winning, winning, winning. He was the Tokyo gold medalist. I mean, yeah, I think the Steeple Chase, I haven't really gotten into like watching it until like this World Champs. I mean, I think this World Champs is really when I started like really, I think I, I became a really avid fan of track and field in general. Just like seeing him, he kind of had that in control for like towards the back half of the race and you could kind of see that. But also, um, I was interested to see Evan Yeager's um performance like hearing the stories of um, them saying on tv how like he was like one of the top steeplechase runners a few years back i think like 2018 or something like that then him getting injured doing hard terrible and now just like clawing his way back I think, like, just the fact that he got six and was the first American to finish, I think, is a pretty good statement for him coming back from um, injury. I was also pretty hyped to see Evan Yeager get in there just because, like, he's been, he's always been kind of a big favorite in these steeplechase races. He was a big favorite going into Tokyo last year to get on the podium. I don't exactly remember if he got, if he got a medal or not. I don't think so, though. Hillary Bohr, also of the U.S., He's also a, he was also, he's also one of the bigger steeplechase runners in the steeplechasing realm of track and field. But yeah, a pretty pretty slow race, I'd say. If we're looking at these results now, no personal bests, no season bests, no world leads, no world, no obviously no world records, no national records, no no um, not very fast racing, I'd say. Pretty tactical from the gun. Um, I did note that Sufan Elbakali, his qualifying time was eight sixteen, so whole nine sec nine ten seconds slower than that. Pretty tactical, kind of you would expect that from a championship race. But I think a pretty solid performance overall for Elbakali, just kind of keeping on solidifying his his title as one of the best steeplechasers of all time. Yeah, the men's the men's 5K now, kind of getting into the the later the latter of these of these Long events. Distance. So at first is where Ingebrigtsen got his got, got his gold, he got his redemption. Um he finished in 1309. Second was 
Jacob Kropp. And then third, the... Ugandan. Ugandan? Is that, is that yep, Oscar Chalimo. But season best for Chalimo. Also, cool thing to note, Luis Gravala of Guatemala. Um, the current... I think he's yeah currently at NAU. Season best for him, too. So, pretty hot race. Not too many personal bests, though. So, pretty attainable pace for these guys. Any any thoughts about this this five thousand, you guys? I thought it was just funny. Jakob Ikerberson was just a complete character from the jump. Oh from yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> from these games, like first the fifteen hundred, I think in the semis, waving the crowd on while he was like, I, I don't even think he had the first qualifying spot. And then, dur- literally during the five k, he gets water. He gets water, a cup of water. And then on the turn, cheers the crowd as he's going to the front, which was like even more funny considering he was doing all of that and he got the gold. I thought that was extremely entertaining, especially as a um as a distance event. Mm, I mean, Joshua Trepp, the guy, the world record holder. I mean, he plays like nine. Expected him to do like much better, but like couldn't hold on at the last bit. I think another cool thing to note: Grant Fisher, the USA's heart and soul at this point in distance running coming in sixth after his fourth place performance in the 10k i think a really valiant effort from him i think i'm really excited to see what he has in store for the next few years of racing i think for sure he'll finally he'll he'll finally get his medal um in the 5k or 10k at some point in the future sucks that it couldn't be this year but yeah, you know i'm pretty sure this year he had he was still experiencing the effects of long-term covid like re, like relatively close to champs and or worlds whatever you want to call it considering that factor of how that impacted his his race and how his training and such yeah it really opens the possibility for him to do really well in the future so i did get the th- the 3000 split the first 3k was 804 which is 4 420 per mile then their their last five laps they're closing 2000 or they closed in 505 which is 405 mile pace so they picked it up considerably which can really imply that they had some fast fast racing to 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 finish but then to from the start was super tactical a lot of people were in it i think another storyline that i was super i was following a lot was sam parsons of germany i'm a big yes, tim and elite tim guy elite. shout out tim and elite um i was really going for sam parsons during this entire 5k trials and heats and then also in the final i was wearing my tim and elite shirt during the trials and also during the final just saying oh come on sam like let's do it like obviously he's not one of the best guys in this field not one of the most talented but just to kind of see what he's the work that he's put in and how hard the last few years have been for him was just kind of heartwarming to see i don't know what you thought about axel yeah no that was definitely really inspiring just seeing him like especially just watching the inside tim and elite videos especially like last year like towards the back half of like the first big covid wave and like just seeing the whole team just like struggle as a whole and like for him getting injured while he was like basically in the lead of that german 5k uh-huh. And then building his way, clawing his way back from injury, working together with Drew Hunter. So, like, just him getting through the semis and being able to compete in the final is a good step in the right direction. And just not only proving to himself, and like, but, like, also proving to, like, everybody else that, like, Tim and Elite is actually, like, a good group of runners. Yeah, I think Tim, Tim and Elite, like, I, on one of these podcast episodes, Joe Bullock talked about this, how Tim and Elite's, like, really memed on. They do a lot of meetups. But like they haven't they feel like they haven't really proven themselves in the running community but i feel like getting a guy on the world championship level on the world final level is just super beneficial to their name and their brand in a sense and also to see sam parsons that's just a huge confidence booster for him going into these european championships as well where he's going to be competing for germany of this long like kind of summer season of track racing moving on to our final event 
of the, the analysis and discussion, we have the men's 10K on the track. One of the first finals to take place in the 10-day stretch. We had in first place, Josh Cheptegei, 10K world record holder from Uganda. Well, Stanley Mburu from Kenya. And then we had Jacob, Jacob Pupilimo, the Ugandan companion of Josh Cheptegei in 27, 27, 97. So really tight race. Um, Grant Fisher in so close in fourth for the U.S. in 27, 28. You guys have any thoughts about this 10K? Good. It was a good race all around. Definitely was rooting for Grant Fisher through mm -hmm. most of the, the race. I think he, I mean, he handled it pretty well. But you could kind of see, like, I think it was towards the end when they tried to start speeding up, and then that's when people started to go, and then you kind of see the separation there. But, yeah, stuff happened, so it is what it is. Yeah, that, I saw a clip of the last, I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but I saw the clip of the last 800 to 400 meters, I think, and they just tore after it. It was like a sub-55 lap, maybe even sub-53, I think. It was, They just tore it after it. And just it was just really heartwarming to, to see Grant Fisher up with the East Africans, up in the fast group, just sprinting for the finish. And he wasn't even fading to begin with, like the last 50 meters either. He was also, he was still staying strong, just got barely out leaned at the line, which is just a little bit heartbreaking, but good to know that he's up there with the East Africans and he's ready to go. And he's he's looking to be an exciting character to watch in the in American distance running and, and just in world distance running in general. That's, that's I think that's all we've got, guys. Thank you guys for taking the time. Axel, I do have one question for you about your Strava. <laughs> you posted yep. today. I sent myself on a death mission. Can you uh, can you uh, elaborate on that? Uh, all right. So, right. I decided to run today in the afternoon, right? Mind yeah. you, today was like 95 consistently. <laughs> and and I was, so I, I checked, I finished eating. Mine also is going to be related to the store. I ate Chipotle for lunch. So you, you, you could probably understand <laughs> how that went throughout the, throughout the run. Checking the weather I was planning to run with John Coffin, uh, one of my friends at Hoshkiss, but he eventually was the late scratch. I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to Central Park by myself. And before I left, it was like 95. I'm like, damn. I was kind of just walking to the train, sitting on the train. As I was walking, you you just feel the heat, and it was humid. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm slowly questioning why am I doing this to myself? Because I also had the option to go to the gym and run on the treadmill. But for some reason, I just didn't do that. So, and then to, first to start, I had to use the bathroom like at like right before mile two. So I was and I was already sweating. I was like, damn. But like I wasn't going slow either. I think yeah. I like was going low seven. I'm like, how, no, it how says, the it says seven, ten average days. Yeah. And then got there i did another loop of the reservoir and then my chest started burning and i felt that chipotle bad and i was like damn so then mile three had it took a sip of water it was lukewarm water too and i was like oh. ah oh just gotta get through it so then i was able to get through it got like and then got to mile seven i was just like thank god i was done but yeah <laughs> with the 95 degree heat Plus eating Chipotle right like for lunch, plus having to use the bathroom before it was just not a good mix. No. But yeah, that was kind of my death wish run. Probably, I would say it's my second hardest run of the summer. Probably cool. like right next to my first long run of the summer. But oh, it's wow. but it in the it's probably gonna go down to like three in a few days because i'm planning to do a 16 mile long run on my birthday this friday which and mind you i haven't run more than 10 so 
yeah it's i don't know it's either gonna go really good or really bad i'm planning to just do like eight water eight so hopefully i don't die on friday jeez man well <laughs> certainly don't mix chipotle humidity and haven't used the bathroom at mile two on any sort of run it's a terrible yeah, mix no. you can you've learned terrible it here idea. first from Do axel <laughs> but yeah guys where can people find you axel i know you're the host of your own podcast why with axel ryan and z also go yeah. check that out on where can people find that podcast and where can people find you on instagram or strawberry yeah so with the podcast um why with axel ryan and z you guys can search that up on spotify Apple Podcasts. Um, the podcast Instagram is y, lowercase y underscore with and then dot um, a and my initials. So you can find that on Instagram as well. And then my website is whywithaxel.com. So that's where you can find all the episodes on that. I mean, Strava, it's just my name, Axel Ryan and Z. Um, if you have any complications with that, my name is hyphenated with Axel Ryan. So there's that. Um, Instagram, um, underscore Axel, underscore Ryan, underscore. So um, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Sweet. And you, Kenny? So it would be Kenny Tana, underscore, on Instagram. So Kenny, K-E-N-N-Y, T-H-A-N-A, underscore, on Instagram. And Kenny Tirapantuvat on Strava. All right. Well, thank you guys for taking the time. Appreciate y'all for um, hopping on the podcast. And this has been Run Fast Pod, Episode 3, Oregon 22, Analysis. Anything else from you, Miles? No, that's it. I'll see you guys soon. Yeah, thank you guys for hopping on. Peace. Broncos country. Let's ride.